Today on the Dad the Best I Can show. The campers know all the counselors and the counselors know most of the campers that when new kids come in, they, they, they're overwhelmed by this sense of family because everyone knows everybody. And so they're immediately brought into that environment and, it's, and the relationships that are built at, at Camp Ojibwe are, are just you know, almost unbreakable. And you meet, it's, it's an incredible thing to witness. Hey now, welcome to the Dad the Best I Can show. My name is Rob Roseman, who wants to be a millionaire legend, Chicago futures trader, Vegas poker pro. Now I'm a dad to three kids, ages six, four, and one. Phew, wears me out just thinking about it. Each week we're bringing on dads like you to tell us your stories, your tips and tricks to help all of us make it through dad life. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get on with the show. All right, Joey, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me, Rob. Appreciate it. Yes, thanks for being on the Dad the Best I Can show. Where are you calling in from today? I am currently sitting in Nashville, Tennessee. Nice. And you're a dad to how many kids? I have three kids. We have a nine-year-old boy-girl twins uh, and a four-year-old daughter. Yeah, I can't even... I hear... I hear about people having twins and they were your first. What, what is it like having kids? Is it like panic or is it like, <laughs> like how, how as a new parent do you deal with two tiny babies? I can't imagine. Or did you already forget? That's part of the, that's part of how things work, right? You just kind of forget. So you have another. I, def- I, I definitely still remember. It's like ingrained in my head. Um, and the interesting thing was throughout the pregnancy when, when we had first found out we were pregnant, uh, Laura, when we were getting ultrasounds, the Laura's doctor, it was a thought it was just a, what they what they call a vanishing twin, just like an empty follicle. And then we switched doctors, um, and we told him the whole story. And you know, I I still to this day remember. Uh, he's like, well, you can sort of forget what that doctor told you because you are actually having twins. And like we, it was the shock of it hit us you know, very hard, uh, in, in the best possible way, but we just couldn't believe that, you know, we were going from, you know, thinking that we were having one child when we were obviously so happy about that. And then, you know, getting the news that we're having twins and just the in, 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 impending fear that comes over you, like, how are we going to do this? You know, we're living in an apartment in the city, like what all of the questions that start coming with twins, um, sort of just starts viewing out of us. And, you know, there is that initial moment uh, of panic and fear and what's going to happen. And then, you know, finally they, when they come and join us, the truth is, is have, have, because they were our first, it made it easier because we didn't know any different. Like this was our new normal. This was our reality. This was what it was like for everyone to have kids. It's just, we had two of them. At least it felt that way. So we, we, we had to manage it. We didn't know any different. Right. It's all, you know, I mean, in some ways I say it's a little harder. I don't know how old you were when you had kids. We, I was a little older than my parents, but in some ways I think it was easier for our parents because they were so young, they didn't know any better, you know? So in some ways, maybe having twins for your first is kind of the same thing. You're like, Oh, this is normal. It's just, it's chaos anyways. Now you just have a little more of it. That's exactly right. I mean, and I do remember this, uh, in the hospital, 
I had, like, I call it my, it was my 24 hour, just total freak out. Like that, the sense of, I think just when any father goes through this, this, when your kids finally arrive and they're sitting in your arms or you're sitting in the hospital, staring at them, you know, making sure that they're still breathing, the weight of that, of like the eternal responsibility that I have to provide and give to these kids hit me so hard and maybe even harder because I'm staring at two of them and just like the that accountability that responsibility was very heavy for me and you know definitely hit me in the first 24 hours of uh, fatherhood so twins do you have any advice for other dads out there listening that have twins other babies or how old are yours now you said nine nine I mean we're we're we definitely got lucky they uh they certainly, they always got along and they still get along. And, um, you know, I think looking back, what, what you sort of have to do, and I referenced it a little bit earlier, is you, you resign to the fact that, that like, this is, this is your life. And, and Laura and I did really well. I think that's sort of what, what, at least from, from my perspective, if she was, having this discussion, maybe she would say something different, but I, I just tried my best to do everything that I could to help. And, you know, it was, it was, whether it was getting up in the night and bringing the kids to Laura, um, for, to, to be fed and then putting them back in their cribs and changing their diapers and, you know, not, I'm, I, I tried to do whatever I could to, to pitch in because it's a lot and it was a lot to do. All that being said, like we had a very sort of easy infant, uh, infant, in infancy or infant you know, time of their infancy because they didn't really have, they weren't colicky, they weren't, you know, they fed well, they went back to sleep, they slept well, um, they, you know, they seemed to be uh, well-behaved uh, babies. Um, but I just think it's it, with anything, but especially with twins, like you have to you have to take a front seat and you got to, you got to pitch in and you got to help because there's, there's, it's just so much to do. And you're new for us. We were new to it. Um, and then the last thing is they're growing up. I think with twins, what, what we really, what we try and focus on is, is creating that identity and making sure that they, that they do get their own activities and that they have their own interests and that they, you know, have their own friends and, you know, again, that's where I think we're lucky in the sense that the boy girls, I, I talking to, a, I'd be interested to hear what a parent of a same sex, uh, twin, twin, uh, twin kids say. Um, but that I think is, is hugely important, especially now in today's world of having that sense of self and that sense of identity and just, you know, creating that world for them. Yeah. Like you said, I can't, I always, <laughs> that's funny. I always hear twins and I just assume they're identical, but obviously in your case, they're not, but right. Having their own identities and their own activities and their own friends is probably really important. You'd be surprised Rob, at how many people still ask if they're identical. No, oh, we all do. It's, we don't know anything, right? Especially dads. <laughs> so funny. I was like, well, one has the male genitalia, one is the girl. So off the bat, they're not identical. They are, they are, they are different. Oh, people ask about your twins if they're identical. 
People have to draw my twins if they're identical, the boy girl twins. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you, but yeah, I was like, so they kind of look alike <laughs> though, right? They just have different hairstyles. <laughs> so daughters, daughters, I have two boys, six, four, and a, and a baby girl, one. What is it like raising daughters, especially a nine-year-old? You, you haven't hit the teenage years yet, but they're coming. Faster than we expected. Actually, I, I think we notice, we, we're starting to notice uh, a big maturity in in our daughter, our oldest daughter, especially. Uh, she's in fourth grade. You know, we we did. She did get a cell phone, so she has a cell phone. So, like that whole world um, is you 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 recognize and see this this change in in them as they get older. But it's it's hitting our daughter, I think, a little bit faster. But I, I, in regards to daughters, I do whatever I can to try and just, you know, relate and show interest. Like my daughter, my oldest daughter loves dancing. And so, you know, whether it's, it's watching her practice or putting on music or, you know, trying to get her to dance with me, which is getting harder by the year, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's this, everyone talks about the world today and and everything that's going on and i think it's just really important to make them recognize how strong they are how smart they are and like i'm always trying to build them up in that way um and and most recently we i can tell a private story but um, you know i i had to have the conversation with her because our house is very open like when the kids get out of the shower, like even in front of my son, the the their his sisters, like the changing in front of their siblings or us is not a big deal anymore. But I wanted her to know that because I I feel it coming that it's okay for her to tell me that she want that she doesn't want me to see her change and that she doesn't want me to see her naked so i had so i had that conversation with her because i want her to know that it's her it's her choice it's her decision about about that and it's not like it's not for me to say i you know do that it's it's hers and i think that that's that's it's really important with raising daughters today and i'm trying the best that i can to to keep that in my mind to make sure that they know that it's they are strong they are smart they are beautiful and it's up to that they control their lives you know yeah it is very different i mean i have so we just had the we had two boys and now since we have the our daughter she's one and a half now and i mean it's she's still just a toddler but yeah it is just from relating to your kids, it's it is a lot different. We're kind of used to dealing with boys, and as guys, it's like, yeah, I don't, you know, we're, we're learning as we go, right? So yeah, we probably are overcompensating a little, but that's awesome that you're uh, opening up the conversation and letting letting her feel more comfortable talking to you about stuff. Yeah, I just like it. You hear about, you know, stories, and like I want to do everything I can to try and help prepare for for some of the things that she may face as a, as a girl or as a woman, as she gets older. And um, I think also 
working at you know past companies and uh, that are, that celebrate diversity and inclusion and 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 promote uh, it, like equal opportunity and and you know pushing uh, being very you know when I was at Pandora which which we'll which we'll talk about later that they it was a very very forward thinking about ensuring and making sure that women are in the conversation we started Pandora women's group and it's something that's that I've that I've been a part of and involved with that I want to just not bring out of corporate and almost make sure that I'm continuing those lessons at home it taught me a lot about that yeah, yeah. What you said, you got her a cell phone. I'm fascinated by you know kids and technology, and I feel like a hypocrite, you know, telling my kids to get off the iPad. Is that a, a struggle in your house? Do you have some some ground rules? Was that like a tough decision to get it? It it is. Uh, it's definitely a struggle at times, um, but we and we try and set ground rules. Uh, we're, you know, I'm. At this point, like I'm trying not to use it as another uh, device to monitor or watch them. I think if we felt comfortable giving them to them, you know, barring some restrictions that I'll talk about, I want to be able to also trust them to use it. But you know, I we have the 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 functionality where like they can't just get whatever app they want, and it has to go through me, and I approve it. Um, I do look at the screen time report as it comes back. Um, and, and for now we've eliminated the possibility of them being on social media. Like we, I won't let them on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or even TikTok. Like I don't, I don't want them to be in that sphere yet. Um, I want them to use it. So if they need to communicate with their friends or when they're out to communicate with us, um, and to get some entertainment value out of it, but not social media. All right, Joey, you're, you're warmed up. Are you ready for some uh, rapid fire questions? Let's do it. What is the first car you ever owned? I had a white Nissan Sentra. What's your favorite, what's your favorite movie of all time? Category is drama. I don't know if it's in the, if it's in this category, I think it's a drama, but Good Will Hunting is like my go-to number one movie. I love that movie. Excellent, excellent. I I only say drama because what's your favorite comedy movie of all time? I this question stumped me. As it, as I'm thinking about it, I love Spaceballs. Every time it's on, I watch it. But I love, I just love comedy. I like I'll sit and watch, you know, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, like old school. Tommy Boy, like the the Jim Carrey, uh, Chris Farley, like those comedians, I could watch any movie that they do. I love, I love to laugh. I love comedy. Who is your favorite stand-up comedian? The the best stand-up comedian I ever saw in person was Robin Williams. So I think I'll say him. Doing stand-up or doing like performing? He was doing stand-up. We drove up to Milwaukee with one of my best friends and his mom. And we saw him perform at one of the theaters downtown. I can't remember which theater it was. But, I mean, this, I just remember, like, I, my, my stomach hurt after walking out of there. He was, it was, it was like you see on the, on the talk shows when he's there. He's just 
full of energy. He drank like 25 bottles. He drank like a case of water during the presentation. And he's, and he was just on fire. He did not stop. And it felt like it was hours that he was up there talking. It was the greatest uh, entertainment show I've ever seen. So you live in Chicago. What is the best place to get pizza from? We're on a Lumel's kick now. We're, we've been eating Lumel Nadis, it's called. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, it's Chicago-style deep dish pizza with, like, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's the best. You can order it online, actually, and have it shipped. It's not as good, but it's still worth it. I, I agree. Lumel Nadis. Your favorite Chicago restaurant? I, if we're going to eat, like, for nice restaurants, like, my favorite restaurant in Chicago is Joe's Don't Crab, um, right, right downtown. It's got, I mean, it's just got everything. I, you, you're never disappointed, and you're, the steaks are good, the seafood's incredible, the fried chicken, surprisingly to some, is amazing. Um, and they have incredible desserts. All right, Joey, if you were on death row, hopefully you'll avoid it, but what would your last meal be? I, I'm a dessert like freak. I love eating desserts and sweets. So I think I would ask for like uh, an unlimited supply of like my favorite pies and cakes and candy. I would just go, I would sweet out. I would just go sweet all day. It's a good way to go out if you're going to go out. What is the best live sporting event you ever attended? So I, um, I've been to US Open. It was fun. I'm not a huge tennis guy, but like it was a great event to be at. I was fortunate enough to grow up like when Michael Jordan was in his prime and I lived in Chicago. I can't think of a game that like stands out that I got to see. I actually have a a terrible memory when it comes to like remembering things like this. Um, so I'll just say like any opportunity that I got to go see him live was, and, and he always did the same. Like he always put on a show. Like, I don't think that I had to have seen some incredible dunk or amazing comeback or performance, but I can't think of any, any specific game that I saw of his, but just being fortunate enough to see him play live is, a great sporting event for me. He is just electric. I feel like, I mean, people will argue this, but watching LeBron is, is a similar thing. But yeah, Jordan and his day, I, I almost feel bad for our kids that they'll never even know, you know. Hopefully they'll be like us. We used to watch that uh, Dazzling Dunks and Basketball Bloopers VHS tape, and maybe they'll watch some of those. Yeah, well, with, with Charles Barkley and oh, the Warrior. the best. I still get chills on those dunk contest videos. But I, I was having this discussion with a friend of mine do you do people not know like i'm around kids a lot and i talk to my son's friends i feel like they still know about jordan i feel like he's still relevant even though they've never seen him play like i think i hope that that continues i don't know i mean i i mean my kids are still young and they're starting to play basketball but they wouldn't know michael jordan unless i told them so yeah he could be you know, maybe they'll buy his shoes. That'll be what. Get them. I wonder if it's the Chicago thing. I wonder if it's because we live here, because I live in Chicago. I wonder if it's that. For sure. And for those of you that, if you haven't listened, episode 17, I have uh, Brad Feinberg is on, and he tells an amazing prank call story that he pulled on Scottie Pippen when he was like 
second year in the league on the Bulls, and it's just it's great. You gotta you gotta listen to it. Oh, I'm gonna go check it out. Who is your favorite major league baseball team? I'm a Cubs fan. Love the Cubs. Started like past those a generational. Not that you know, I it, I was born into a Cubs family. My grandfather, who moved down to Florida when I was born, but or before I was born, but always you always wore a Cubs hat. Like we, they grew up on the north side. Like this is the Cubs have been in in our blood for some time. All right, in an alternative universe, you are a Cubs baseball player playing in Wrigley. What would your walkout song be, Joey? Mm, I'm I. I'm like trying to think of a song that gets me like just so fired up. And what's coming to mind is like that song, the cave by Mumford and sons. That song just makes me like stomp my foot and just like want to go, you know, get after it. So I feel like that would be a good song to get me ready. for Let's take a quick break for our dad tip of the week brought to you by kickstart reading. Do you have kids between the ages of three and six? I've got two boys, and when my older son was going into kindergarten, my wife and I quickly learned that we had no idea how to teach him how to read. We found Kickstart Reading and watched one two-minute video together, and you could see his confidence take off. Bonus, I felt like dad of the year. Here's another dad talking about how Kickstart Reading is helping his boys learn how to read. Hey there, this is Chris Heller, and I'm a big fan of Kickstart Reading. Each morning before school, I show a video to my four-and-a-half-year-old son, and now his little two-year-old brother is getting in on the action as well. I'm a big fan of the videos. Highly consumable and engaging for young boys. Definite recommend for all parents out there who are looking to get their kids off to the right start with reading. Kickstart Reading. Go to kickstartreading.com and use the code DAD to get 65% off right now. That's D-A-D, DAD. See? It works. Kickstartreading.com. Now back to the show. All right, on the Dad the Best I Can show, we like to do a dad tip of the week. Joey, what's one tip you have for other dads out there? So I would say it's, um, I'm, I'm, learning about, I'm learning about this a lot right now, and I'm trying to to implement it into my own parenting as well because I think it's hard for us to do because we want our kids to be successful and we want them to be the best at this and we want them to 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 have good experiences um, but I've been reminded recently that in the importance and um, an experience that kids get out of having some failure and and so I think the tip around around creating a culture of of it being okay to fail, uh, and and them getting a learning from it is even just a trick that I learned as I was sitting in one of a, a seminar that I most that I recently went to is it's it's flipping the the words uh, if and when, uh, and it allows you to set up a um, it allows you to set up an environment where it, when the kid fails, they don't get discouraged, they don't get frustrated, they don't get sad, they don't get angry because you set it up as when, you, when this happens to you, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to, to react or get through that or respond um, or, or talk about things. When you do this, what do you think that you could do to get 
to the end result that you want. Um, and to me, that was really powerful because it, it, it suggests that it, this is okay. This is what's, you're, what's happening to you is the expected result. What's happening to you is what should happen to you. Now let's learn from it and let's get better. Um, and I, so I think it's, it's really, it was, it struck me really hard. It was a really important lesson to, to really encourage failure and encourage them to, you know, to not succeed and they won't succeed at the first time. So how do you, how do we get them to make the most of that, that experience? Right. Yeah. I mean, it hurt. I mean, you're a big sports, sports guy, sports dad, I assume. And yeah, even you can explain to them the best baseball players in the world are getting out seven out of 10 times. Right. I mean, it's like your kid strikes out, he's going to walk off crying, you know, a couple of times, but trying to explain to them that that's just part of it. That's a great, uh, a great lesson. And yeah, parents kind of, we need to learn this stuff too, because we were, we were probably taught it, but you are hearing a lot more of that. And I think it is, you're going to learn more by, at least in my life, I learn way more failing constantly than I do. The things I do right, I just think I'm a genius or I got lucky, but right, the failures right. are what teach you stuff. So, Well, you are. <laughs> you are. Yes, thanks. So segueing into sports, you're, uh, I, I have heard our friend Mark said you were one of the top Little League baseball coaches in Chicago. Is that true? It was a, it was a team effort. We did. We did take my son's uh, team through the uh, uh, tournament of 54 teams, and we ended up winning the tournament. So, so I have a, I do have a championship under my belt, um, but we we got the kids clicked at the right time, and like everyone just played really really well, and we were fortunate to get some bounces. But um, you know, myself and and my co coaches. Who uh, who we partnered together to get the to work with the team were so thrilled with the efforts and just the obviously the outcome. But it was it was a lot of fun the whole season. But that tournament especially, yeah, fifty four teams. That's like winning March Madness. That's amazing. I thought you were going to say you beat the four. Uh, our kids play these leagues. They all get trophies. There, there's like six teams in there. They're probably still a little young, but you're you're starting to see. I don't know if you'll admit to it, but you see some crazy sports parents out there. No, I will admit to it. I try not to be one, um, but it's amazing sitting at you know a nine-year-old baseball game and hearing some parents like, first of all, like scream at the officials um, who are there, you know, for no other reason than that they like maybe love baseball, but they're certainly not making a ton of money, and they're you know they're not there for their own benefit, uh, but they get abused by some of these parents and I feel bad and, and I feel bad for the official, especially, but also you see the kids respond. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm into the youth services uh, industry now. And you, you see the way that it, it makes me cringe seeing the way that parents somehow behave or respond at these park district or even travel, uh, league games because it i don't know that it i don't know that it helps anybody but you know some parents are they they get very invested um in that and it almost speaks to the the failure comment that we you know the failure mentality that we talked about no one wants their kids to lose no one wants them to fail anymore um and so you see i think that's this is a 
this is a, a result of that sort of mentality maybe is that parents just go they lose their minds at these games yeah so they're they're so in, they're almost living vicariously through their kids and if they fail they think they're a failure so what would you I'm sure most parents out there listening would say, oh, I'm not like them. But what would you say to as a coach to other parents of, uh, you know, young baseball players out there? Right. Well, it's not. I think it's just about like having a, a conversation about it and just having a discussion after the kid plays. Like, let first of all, I would say, like, let the kid play the game. Like, let let him or her uh, play and 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 be fully immersed in the game with their teammates and not, you know, worrying about your instruction and what you're hearing. I think whatever instruction we try and give them is not going to change the way that they perform at that at bat or at that. And I'm guilty of it too. Like I'd like to make that note. Like I'm not, I, I, I find myself when Russell's at bat saying, spread your legs, is it like, and then I think about it to myself, like, what am I, like, what am I doing? Like, just let them, just let them have the at bat. And then, you know, maybe when you're done, you can talk about it and say what, you know, how, what was the result or how do you think we, what did we learn from that? How could we have done it better? Or what, you know, what do we take from that at that or whatever, however you want to debrief it. But I would just, you know, I'd like myself and I think everybody just like, let's let the kids play and cheer them on and encourage them and really promote, you know, what the sport is all about. You know, this is, a, this is their opportunity to, grow and to develop and to you know build friendships with their with their teammates and learn how to compete and and win gracefully but lose gracefully and 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 all of those things that we want our kids to be respectful and good sport and good sports and uh you know i think that that's those are the things that we should focus on more than like the the one at bat or the dropped fly ball or whatever you know whatever whatever the smaller incident in the game was yeah. Well, that's good advice. Even like save it, even just as simple as save your advice for after the game or even when you get home, because oh, I've done that too, you know, telling my kid to choke up on the bat or switch your hands while he's up there. Like all you're probably doing is stressing him out. So leave that for either the coach or just let it be. And then, you know, let them enjoy themselves. Cause yeah, my, my four-year-old, he's got some skills, but he'll have his hands backwards and he'll be like, uh, that's how I want to hold it. And it kills me because I'm like, oh, you'll do so much better. But I'm like, he's out there having fun and actually wanting to play. That's really the important part at this age, at least. And I think deep down, like they want, they just want, they want you to be proud of them and they want you to be happy. And like that, I think will be the worst thing ever. And again, like I'm, I'm sure that I've done this at times with Russell and even Madeline where they, if they come off the field and they don't think that I'm proud of them or that I'm happy for them or that I'm happy, you know, that I loved watching them play like that has, that would kill me as a father to know that I created that experience for him when it's not about me. It's about, it's about him. Well, that's the hardest thing I think for parents, you know, myself included is like, it's not about us. You know, it seems like it is because we want to have control and we want them to do well, but in reality, we got to just learn to let go and, like you said before, deal with the the failure or whatever comes with it. So it's good. You know, we always revert back to it, but I think like, you know, you seem like you have really good self-awareness about it. So that's, that's key. Right. I'm not, uh, I'm not immune to saying the wrong thing at times. I definitely do, but I try and recover, you know, as, as quickly as I can and apologize, you know, I think that there you go. 
that's the key is recovery. I, I, I talk about, I seem calm and I, you know, my wife will come home from work though and see me just freaking out on them. And like, I'm like, I don't know how not to every now and then, but the recovery is a lot quicker and it's getting better. So that's all, that's, a, that's a good step. And that, I mean, that's like, I found that in, in work and I think it's another sort of, you know, dead tip. If I can throw another one in here is it's almost even more powerful apologizing and like admitting that you're wrong and having that conversation like we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to say the wrong thing and we're all going to do that but like to have the 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 confidence and the courage to 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 face your son or daughter or your coworker or colleague and say you know what like i this was my mistake i did this wrong and i want to apologize and here's what i'm going to try and do to make it better next time um and oh, by the way, if it happens, like you can call me out on it. If I don't realize I'm doing that, like tell me so that I can also learn if I don't, you know, if we don't recognize, but you know, it's saying you're sorry, you build that, then all of a sudden you build that relationship and the trust and you know, you, you have deep conversation. So you're in the midst of, or, or you made a pretty big career change, uh, not late in life, but midlife. What talk a little bit about that, what you used to do and what you're doing now. Yeah, so I um, I graduated. I went to the, the greatest university in in the country, the University of Wisconsin at Madison. Uh, studied advertising and public relations there, and came out of college at a, an incredible time to get a job. Actually, I you know sent blind uh, resumes and cover letters to advertising agencies. I didn't know anyone in the advertising business at the time, and got interviews. And so I got into advertising at a couple of advertising agencies went into advertising sales and then sales supports. And then for the last eight years, um, or, you know, since a year ago, I was working at Pandora media. I was one of, you know, the first 300 employees at Pandora, um, in one of their expansions. Like I started in the Chicago office. I think we had uh, four people there. And when I left Pandora, uh, we had, you know, 120, I think, or like a huge, just a crazy growth number, a huge amount of people there. Um, and I was doing client services. I was running the client services teams for the central and the East Coast regions where we were responsible for helping the sales team uh, generate, uh, like build, generate, and then execute all of the sales orders that they created so you know if you're listening to pandora if you've listened to pandora and you hear the advertisement that that plays uh the client services team at pandora did uh press the buttons and set up the system so that you would be served that ad so they're responsible for every ad here every ad you hear every revenue dollar that uh, is generated through advertising the client services team touches that to ensure that it gets uh, that Pandora makes their money on their ads. Yeah, it was always they're all they're always a little annoying when I got those ads, but then I was still not willing to spend the whatever it was two ninety nine to get rid of it. So it's amazing that that can create a multi million dollar business, huh? Just those those ads and that free model. I mean, when I left, we were generating over a billion dollars in ad revenue. Like we were, yeah, we were one of the top five American ad revenue generators in the country when i left it was like google facebook you were there for eight years and then what 
So I was there for eight years and then um, sort of out of the blue, an opportunity came up to be an associate director to come back and work at this summer camp that I grew up going to as a camper and a counselor when I was younger. And I'd always, you know, throughout the years have continued to go back and visit and been involved as an alumni. And at Pandora, when I was covering the Central and East Coast regions, I was having to travel. So the last eight months that I was working at Pandora, I was traveling to New York every week from like Monday to Thursday. And, uh, and it, it sort of forced me and my wife actually to, to take stock in the direction that, that we, that I was going professionally and, and also look at our, our family dynamic and, and to, to make a decision like, is this, if this was to continue, is this something that we want, that we want and that, that I want uh, for myself? And, you know, it was it was obviously really hard, but what I what I sort of came to realize is I was as we were talking it through, as I want to continue to develop and build my career, like I I want to keep I would want to keep growing my you know if I stayed in advertising keep growing my responsibility and and when I looked around the industry what I saw was the people that were in roles that I would want to take were people that were on the road a lot like a ton every week, a couple cities, you know, I'd want to run a national team. I'd want to have that responsibility of, of being the lead of a, you know, client services or, you know, being like the, the head of operations or whatever the title was, but having that scope of like running the entire division. Uh, and so that created this sort of internal conflict with myself and, and, and with Laura, my wife, where, like if this wasn't it or if I didn't want to do that because I struggled as a father traveling every week there are a lot of dads that I know that are really successful at it and I tried to use technology as best I could but I personally had a lot of trouble being away and I think it's in part my daughter was you know zero to or she was three years old two three years old and my my I had young other kids at home and they at least told me that they missed me. Uh, and that was a really hard emotion for me to get through. And, and so as we were talking about it, I started to sort of think about what is the next, what's the next chapter. If I was to do anything, like what would I really want to do? And camp came to mind because this is a place that, was transformative for me and all of my friends that I know that went there. And I think it's similar among a lot of people that went to camp, but camp is where you find that independence. You build those social skills, you learn how to fail, you make relationships with people 20 years older than you and 10 years younger than you. And you create memories and experiences that, that, stay with you and help make you the adult that you become. And I realized when I took my son to father and son the for, for the first time, he was four years old. 
um, they have this weekend where, uh, when I was a, not on staff, but we have this weekend where fathers bring their sons up aged, you know, four to seven years old, five to seven years old, and they get to, they get to see camp and, and the kids love the experience and the dads all bond and you bond with your sons. And it's just an unbelievable experience. And for me, I was like brought to, I was almost brought to tears like 10 or 15 different times throughout the weekend, seeing my son experience this place. And that's when it hit me, this place, means means so much to me it means the world to me and at the time there were there was an opportunity to maybe become come and be a part of of the leadership team there and so i went after it with everything i could um to show them that like yes i have not been in camping but you know running a team of 200 client services professionals aged 21 to you know 28 those the skill sets are very similar to what what I think is needed to help run a camp and help be a part of the leadership team at a camp, and so I was you know all of that all of that history that I talked about helped me lead me in this direction to go after and pursue this career change. Sorry to interrupt. Were you thinking about if you were thinking about what your next step was? this was before the offer was even presented to you or like, cause I hear that a lot. They're like, not necessarily what's your passion, but go back to when you were young, what got you excited and you were thinking about camp before this opportunity came up and then it just kind of the timing worked out. Yeah. I mean, it was it, everything aligned in that way. It was, I came to this sort of epiphany uh, and an opportunity was available at camp. And it was also during a time where I was traveling so much for work that it, it caused us to think about that, like me changing careers. Um, otherwise, like if I hadn't been traveling, like I don't know if we would have gotten to the same point where it, it helped us make the decision that this was a, a good move for us. It was like all the the cards and the stars or whichever alignment you want, you relate to everything aligned in, in like the most perfect set of circumstances to lead me to this, this place and take it. It was, it was incredible. actually. Like you said too, sometimes we're, we're finding this too. It almost has to be bad enough that it forces you to change. Cause if it was like, ah, you get a week off here or there, or we're going to pay you a little bit more. You might stay and your life would be very different. Like I said, it was just so crazy how the timing and everything uh, came together. So you're at Camp, how do you pronounce the name of the camp? Ojibwa. Camp Ojibwa. And now I went to Sleepaway Camp when I was growing up. I went in North Carolina and Massachusetts. Uh, my wife has never really even heard of the concept of Sleepaway Camp. Um, talk a little bit about Sleepaway Camp and why it is so awesome and and why you love your camp yeah so i'll start with the the latter i i love camp ojibwa because this is a place where we foster this uh and, and have created this culture and environment where you you get that true sense of of brotherhood and you get you know you build these relationships that that lasts you uh, forever and not just with kids your age i you know we tell stories uh, and i have my own experiences of where 
my first summer, I was nine years old. And there were counselors, and, you know, I have counselors that were in, in my cabin, and obviously there's counselors throughout the other cabin. Um, and these are, these are guys that I still talk to, you know, weekly this year. One of them and I started to play, you know, play hockey together. We started to learn how to play hockey together when I was 35 years old. So, you know, 25 years later, I'm still talking to this gentleman. And then we go and we start playing hockey together and we're, we're on teams together. And, and that is only created because of this environment that Ojibwe creates. And, and, the, and the way that we create it is we take a lot of pride and, and our hiring philosophy is that we take our own. So Ojibwa campers or returning Ojibwa staff over 90% of our staff are from Ojibwa. And what that does is it creates this environment where everyone is very comfortable from the moment the kids get off the bus because the counselors know the system, they know the facility, they know all of the uh, camaraderie and cheers, and they know the program. So they make the kids comfortable because there's no getting to know you period. And I should say that they know a lot of the kids already because they were campers and the kids were campers and they were on teams together. They were, you know, just hanging around camp or eating lunch together, whatever it may be. And so the campers know all the counselors and the counselors know most of the campers that when new kids come in, they, they, they're overwhelmed by this sense of family because everyone knows everybody. And so they're immediately brought into that environment and it's, and the relationships that are built at, at Camp Ojibwe are, are just, you know, almost unbreakable. And you meet, it's, it's an incredible thing to witness as a camp director. And so that's, that's why I love our camp. I think it's, 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 it's in its own league when it comes to that dynamic of relationships. And it's, it's because of the way that we hire our staff. Mm-hmm. The counselors. Yeah. So for those people that don't really even know or didn't go to camp, it's kind of ages. What, what, what ages do they really start at eight, nine years old? And you're going away from your family for six, eight weeks. Is that how, how your camp set up? Yeah. So we have, we have campers aged six to 16 years old. Some kids come at uh, as young as six. The programs that we have available are, you know, we have a one-week program that's available for our six to nine-year-olds. We have a two-week session that's available for, you know, anyone in first through fifth grade. They can come for a shorter stay if it's their first time coming with us. But then most of the campers come for either a four-week session or uh, either in the first four or second four or an eight-week session where they come for, for both uh, four-week sessions. Yeah. So like I said, my wife and I have some friends, wives that are terrified. Oh, I would never send my kids to camp or send them away that long. Well, what do you, I'm sure you encounter a lot of parents like that. What do you say to them? I know, you know, I look back as some of the best memories of my life, including college, you know, what do you, what do you tell parents that are kind of afraid to send their kids away that long or kids that are afraid to to leave home? Yeah. I think, you know, for the, for the parents, it's certainly an interesting conversation. And like I, having had a son and having gone through that emotion and a daughter, 
where I send them to camp. Like I totally understand um, that, that dynamic and that emotion of watching your kid get on a bus, drive however many miles away and not be under your watchful eye for however long he's going away for or she's going away for. So that, that is a, an incredibly strong emotion that I can empathize with. I know what that feels like, um, which I actually you know, should say, I think that that's actually a unique perspective for a camp director to, to have felt because most camp directors are, are sort of bred within the industry. They've never not been at camp without their, um, some, some of them don't have kids, some of them have had kids, but the kids have been with them at camp or they've been at camp with their kids. So I think it's unique among, you know, the camping industry, or at least my window in the camping industry. Um, but, but what I would tell parents is our kids are certainly overwhelmed with uh, choices that they have to make, with technology, with uh, the activities that we put them in, and, and, and to some extent with their uh, managing the kids, managing our sort of management of their lives, right? And camp is an opportunity to give them the social skills and to help them get experience at being independent, making your own decisions, taking accountability for your own behavior to some extent. Like as parents, and again, I am guilty of this too. We're at the kitchen table. I take the dishes away from my kids and we clean, uh, you know, we wipe the table down after them. Camp is a place where they have to do that by themselves and it gives them the opportunity to learn at a relatively young age how to do that which only helps prepare them for adulthood and to be a, 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 a healthy contributing adult to our society because they built skills that as parents and it's to no one's fault it's just this is what we do now we're we're taking that away from them in every in every household, like that's what we do now as parents. So that's that's what I would say is this is their opportunity in a very safe and protected and uh, watched. You know, it, it's it's a, a very sort of structured environment, but they have the freedom and flexibility to make those choices and to live and to build that skills. And like to me, this is it's it's. You know, to, the core life skills to me are like, my kids have to know how to ice skate. They got to know how to ride a bike. They got to know how to swim. Like, but more than that, like, they have to know how to clean the table for themselves. They have to know how to make their bed. They have to know how to help their cabin mates clean the cabin. And, and they have to know how to talk to, to other people, adults. And that's, that's the last thing I'd say is it also is an environment to get them out of the tech. We're screen free. Like the kids can't bring their cell phones. They can't have, you know, they can't be on their mobile devices. Uh, we, 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 it, it gives them the opportunity to build those personal engagement and social skills that, that frankly, we don't give them enough opportunity now because they're so inundated with every bit of technology. Yeah. Oh, you might've sold me on that. I hadn't even thought about that. Like just what a change. I mean, it probably is a big change. You probably got kids going through withdrawals that don't have their iPads to watch their show. My kids would be like that at bed. What do you mean? There's no two shows at bedtime. So 
Yeah, that could be. It does seem like camp is almost more important than ever because you're forcing them to be outside. You're forcing them to hang out with other kids, you know. And like you said, we're we are, you know, it is our own fault. We're probably doing too much for our kids in a lot of these ways, which I don't really know why. Maybe it's because we want the control. We we don't want, you know, it's just easier sometimes. Fine, I'll put your shoes on. You know, let's go. But right, no, I love the idea of it. And yeah, it's funny you hear people talking about college and how you know they're wondering if they'll financially if they'll they'll send their kids to college and how the careers are different and i could kind of see a lot of that like the you know there are alternatives but camp does seem like in some ways not saying it's more important but it's like a a really important part of a, a kid's life and development yeah and i'm at like the american camp association national convention which is why i'm in nashville right now and so we're sitting in a lot of discussions and a lot of and and what you said i was absolutely right like now is like the time when camp is more needed than ever before because of that environment that we're creating and someone in one of the speeches they were talking about a stat where more kids are leaving college after first semester because they can't they can't cope and they don't know how to how to manage on their own. And camp is where they can learn that. Camp is where they can figure that out. And I you know, am obviously biased, but I think that Camp Ojibwa can do it better than anybody. Do you guys have color war? That was like my favorite favorite moment of camp. We have this we have a couple versions of that. Uh one is called Trojan Spartan, which is an all-camp activity where we break the camp into the Trojan Army and the Spartan Army, and you participate in different activities to see who wins. Another one is what we call the Ojibwa Olympics, where we break the, te- the camp into different countries, and both of those happen in the first session. But the main event is in the second session for the entire last week of camp. We have what's called Collegiate Week, where we break the camp into 10 different college teams Um, and what's great is that you're on teams with the oldest kids and the youngest kids so that's again it's not just to break the teams up but it allows you to build a like my son came home from camp after his first summer he went to a high school football game I get a picture sense where he's on one of the high school kids shoulders and I'm like he comes home I'm like who was he he's like oh that was my first round pick on my collegiate week team like these are they're they're it was an eight or nine year old kid or an eight-year-old kid with a with a fifteen-year-old boy, and they were their friends. Like they were hanging out at the high school football game in front of the high school kids' friends. Like our our older boys take so much pride in that, and Collegiate Week fosters that, right? So it's an insane, uh, it, unbelievable experience for the kids. I love it. Yeah, no, it's. I'm glad you told me about it, and I'm. You know, I, like you said, I think it's more important than ever that kids get these kind of experiences. So. Uh, definitely go where can people uh, learn more about your camp and what you're up to joey yes yeah, so you can visit uh our website www.campojibwa.com or uh, you can email me at joey j-o-e-y at campojibwa.com or uh, feel free to call me at 312-520 Two three two three. All right, Joey, this was fun. I'm 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 excited. My kids are gonna love camp. It might have a couple of years though. They're a little young, but we're ready to go.
whenever you're ready to send them, I'll take them. <laughs> awesome, Joey. Well, uh, thanks for being on the Dad the Best I Can show. We will uh, talk soon. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening to the Dad the Best I Can show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Actually, five stars. We could do better than that. Brooks? Infinity. Infinity stars. Cameron? How many stars? Infinity thousand. Infinity thousand. You got to one-up them in this household. Thanks. See you.